Chapter Seven of Armand Durand by Rosanna Le Proin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The vacation was over, and the boys, full of intoxicating recollections of holiday pleasures and liberty, had to settle down as best they could to the monotonous routine of college life armand who had begun to love learning for its own sake and to find a new and marked pleasure in the prosecution of studies which he had at first looked on with dislike and apprehension was very contentedly sorting his books and writing materials preparatory to placing them in his desk paul seated beside him was occupied in the same duty but performing it in a very different spirit snatching the books violently from the box then hurling them down ruthlessly on the floor apostrophizing each as a personal and much-hated foe ah sacre latin grammar he said frantically clutching at a primly bound volume how many pensums how many headaches and hours of torture are you going to earn for me this year then the offending book was flung some yards off overturning in its flight a comrade's ink-bottle which accident resulted in a smart interchange of sentiments anything but complimentary or courteous a moment after de montenay sauntered up oh how are you armand awful isn't it to be back again in these dismal dingy quarters but you don't look half as miserable as some of us armand started and coloured as his late boy hero accosted him but the scene at mr de courval's rose up before him with all its mortifying recollections and he quietly replied that he was quite satisfied to resume his books again pray don't be coming the good boy over us laughed de montenay misinterpreting armand's reserve and never dreaming that his influence over him was irrevocably at an end come instead like a good fellow and see if you can beg or borrow from any one a key to fit my trunk i've lost mine and feel too wretched to look for it i'm sorry to refuse you de montenay but i cannot leave my own books lying about i must put them away before the bell rings victor silently stared at the speaker what his fag his follower his worshipper had thrown off his allegiance and now rejected his overtures it was both humiliating and mortifying why what the deuce is the matter with you he angrily asked you are standing mightily on your dignity to-day just as you stood on yours the last night we saw you at mr de courval's when you were too fine to shake hands with my brother savagely put in pole moved not so much by sympathy for armand as by the ill-tempered mood of the moment as well as his dislike towards de montenay who spoke to you blockhead ejaculated the latter darting a look of withering scorn on this new adversary paul glanced regretfully at a ponderous dictionary he had just flung beyond his reach but another tolerably large volume was at hand which he promptly hurled at the enemy's head merely grazing it however de montenay quickly returned the compliment with a thickly framed slate the shock of whose descent paul warded off from his skull by receiving it on his arm furious he started to his feet and a more serious breach of the peace was imminent for de montenay was as ready for the fray as himself when a friendly mediator appeared on the scene in the shape of rodolphe belfond hold on you fellows hold on he good-naturedly interposed 
because we are all savage at being nailed down again to our desks tis no reason we should brain one another you've lost your key victor here is my bunch try them de montenay without either look or word of thanks took them and sullenly withdrew whilst paul went on with his work in a more angry mood than ever belfond seated himself beside armand saying you served friend victor nicely just now he certainly deserved nothing better but how have you enjoyed your holidays this was the introduction to a pleasant talk that filled up the time till the hour for other duties arrived and armand separated from his companion convinced that if he had lost one friend he had gained another our hero's progress was now very rapid but that was owing as much to great natural quickness as to application for there was a dreamy vein in the boy's character that often filled his mind with other thoughts than the studies over which he bent longer than he would have avowed to any one he brooded and grieved over the painful termination to his pleasant friendship with victor de montenay recalling again and again the galling feeling of humiliation that had almost suffocated him when slighted so painfully by his college friend in mr de courval's drawing-room then he would chafe at social distinctions which seemed so unjust and resolve that in some coming day he would carve his way to a position as high as could be won even if he struggled a lifetime to attain it visions too of the wayward but graceful girl so different to the commonplace respectable wives and daughters of alonville the only specimens of their sex he had as yet seen would flit across his mind and childish innocent as these remembrances always were they somehow or other invariably increased the restless ambitious longings taking deep root in his heart would he turn out a worker or a dreamer time alone could tell but the elements and capacities of both lurked in his nature fortunately for him however the wish to excel supported by the ease with which he acquired his tasks for the present decided the question in the most favorable manner paul blundered on shirking work whenever it was possible to do so and evidently thinking every task or lesson thus evaded a positive gain yet he was not a noted dunce either for natural shrewdness and the attention of vigilant professors made him acquire despite himself as it were a tolerably fair share of knowledge on the further college career of armand we cannot afford to linger for the more eventful chapters of manhood have to be recounted at the end of two years belfond and de montenay left having gone through the course with pretty fair success the coolness between the latter and armand had never passed away but there had been no open hostilities on either side belfond however was excellent friends with our hero to the last and made him ever the recipient of the countless plans and hopes he was forming for the happy period when he should bid a final farewell to the college walls and return to that happy home where only son among five sisters he was a household idol after his departure and that of de montenay 
armand applied himself if possible more closely to his studies than ever and on the solemn public distribution of crowns and prizes which marked the close of the scholastic year as well as of his own collegiate life carried off before the proud happy gaze of his father and of his aunt ratelle the highest honours of the day there were other witnesses of his triumph also and in one of the front seats amongst the elite of the city who were there present sat gertrude de beauvoir and her mother mr de courval on one side and victor de montenay on the other fortunately perhaps for armand's self-possession he did not perceive the latter group till after the close of the magnificent valedictory which he delivered with an eloquence of voice and gesture whose influence combined with that of his refined and striking personal beauty procured him round after round of deafening applause on resuming his seat he looked for the first time in the direction in which they sat and encountered the splendid eyes of gertrude fixed upon him despite the great changes the few past years had made in her transforming the careless self-willed girl of fifteen into an elegant aristocratic girl he knew her at once and his heart beat with a strangely pleasurable feeling on reading in her gaze an unmistakable admiration of the eloquent address he had just concluded mr de courval's face also reflected a similar feeling but mrs de beauvoir was superbly indifferent and de montenay stooping towards her with a slightly satirical smile on his handsome face was evidently indulging in some sarcastic witticism to which she approvingly listened what a splendid young fellow warmly ejaculated mr de courval turning towards his companions how proud his father as well as we allonville people ought to feel of him such eloquence and graceful gesture and then the many honours he has won a qui bono responded de montenay slightly shrugging his shoulders there may be similarity of title but there is no farther analogy between greek and latin roots and those of field and garden will a knowledge of the classics help in raising clover or will versification teach him how to prevent the ravages of the weevil but i don't see why he should return to roots or crops either interrupted mr de courval somewhat testily paul durand has ample means and i doubt not judgment enough to give a lad of such rare abilities a profession the other brother can take the father's place on the farm but i must go up and congratulate my good old friend on his son's triumphs are you coming sister julie really you must excuse me i know nothing whatever of those people and the weather is too hot for making new acquaintances or for renewing old ones that a person would rather forget added de montenay uncle i will gladly accompany you for i not only know those people but like them and shaking out her voluminous muslin flounces gertrude swept past de montenay without vouchsafing him a look the young man's brow darkened as he watched her making her way amid smiles and nods from surrounding friends to the spot where stood the happy family group of which armand was the centre a word or two nothing more to him 
a friendly grasp of the hand to his father and some confidential chit-chat with tante francoise whilst mr de courval warmly felicitated durand and invited his sons to visit him often either in town or country for he possessed very comfortable quarters in montreal which he patronized with his household during the long winter months this was all that passed still it was enough to excite de montenay's anger and eyeing the little circle he wrathfully exclaimed as wilful and wayward as ever each day that adds to her charms seems to increase in equal degree her self-will and interminable caprices like every young and pretty girl she knows her own value replied mrs de beauvoir disguising a yawn for such passages at arms were so frequent between her daughter and young de montenay that her patience at times gave way under their constant repetition i fear so much so mrs de beauvoir that she will never be able to understand the value of a husband's authority his companion opened her eyes to their fullest extent then compassionately said but do you not know my dear de montenay that husbands really have no authority in our rank in life or in the times we live in the wilds of africa polynesia or in places equally remote and uncivilized they may have but believe me nowhere else de montenay smiled grimly a pleasant prospect for a fellow seriously contemplating a plunge into matrimony but why take the plunge if you dread it poor victor i really fear at times that yourself and my wayward girl will not be very happy together tis too late to think of that now too late to retract he muttered for years past i have determined she should be my wife placed my hopes heart and wishes on it i cannot afford to give up my dream now even though it should bring me misery probably the astute mrs de beauvoir was aware of this or she would not have ventured to play fast and loose with so valuable a prize and having studied victor de montenay's character thoroughly knew that a little seeming indifference would advance her favorite project far more than too much apparent eagerness some time after de montenay had left college he had formally asked gertrude's hand and she flattered by the attentions of a handsome suitor who was in his turn sought by half of the girls of her own age and influenced too by the counsels and arguments of her mother who singularly appreciated the wealth and social position of this aspirant to her daughter's hand inclined to his suit an engagement was entered into which was merely a prelude to a series of engagements of a less amicable nature in which gertrude's wayward independence of character and her betrothed's arbitrary jealousy were freely displayed at the close of one of these skirmishes gertrude suddenly changing from a fit of passionate sobbing into a marble calmness of demeanour informed her startled listeners mrs de beauvoir and victor that the engagement was broken off and that henceforth she would consider herself as free as if it had never existed in vain de montenay who was really deeply attached to her begged forgiveness in vain mrs de beauvoir alarmed at the danger of losing so good a parti remonstrated and scolded the young lady was inexorable 
finally more in sympathy for her mother's tears mrs de beauvoir could nearly always summon the latter at command than her lover's solicitations she consented to a sort of conditional engagement which merely provided that if neither of them changed their minds before the end of the year the marriage should take place but in the meantime both parties should be perfectly free to act as they liked after this matters went on a little more smoothly between the young people he was less exacting she in consequence less exasperating wherever gertrude was de montenay was also and he followed her like her shadow their union at a later period was a generally received thing among the circle in which they moved and de montenay without scruple proclaimed it everywhere as a settled fact judging such a step would prove a very effectual means of keeping other suitors from entering the lists End of chapter seven